Hey everyone, this is your host, Ellis Hammond. Before we get into the show today, a super short but very special announcement. I am very close to launching my first ever book, The Mission of Multifamily, A Missionary's Journey Towards Financial Freedom Through Apartment Investing. This is really my journey uh, and really what I've experienced and even overcome to get to where I am today. Uh, And I want to make sure I get you a copy Uh, A free copy, actually, as a way to say thank you for all of your support on this podcast show uh, through this journey that I have really been on as an entrepreneur, as a real estate investor. Uh, This book I have poured my heart and soul into. It's not a very long read, but it is a powerful read. I want to make sure uh, you get a copy so that I can say thank you to your support. And so here's two ways you can do it. You can go to missionofmultifamily.com. That's missionofmultifamily.com. You can put in your email address and you'll be informed as soon as we drop that book so you can get your copy or text the word mission to 55444. That's mission to 55444. And that's another way you can get your free copy. Again, thank you. So excited for this book to be launched. I appreciate your support, and let's get into the episode. Welcome, everyone, to the Kingdom Capitalist Show. I'm your host, Ellis Hammond, founder of the Kingdom Capitalist Mastermind. This is the podcast to help you as a kingdom business leader, really advance God's kingdom, both in your life and in your business. And today we have the expert, uh, what actually he's, he's termed as the cold call coach. He's had tons of success uh, as a sales coach and sales leader, um, has spoken to thousands of students in more than 100 countries through his cold call university program, an awesome business owner, entrepreneur, um, and even more recently, which is why I'm so excited to have him on the show, um, has found himself leading a new initiative called uh, C-Suites uh, for Christ, and uh, just a real movement there leading executive business leaders uh, to really advance God's kingdom, just like within, inside of Kingdom Capitalist, really doing that um, in the business world as well. So without further ado, let me introduce Paul Newberger. How are you, brother? I am well, Ellis. It's a blessing to be on your program, sir. Listen, man, before we get in, I, you know, let the audience know a little bit about yourself, kind of where you're at and what you're focused on right now. Yeah, boy, that's going to take up the entire podcast asking that question. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm just a, a very passionate guy. The Lord has blessed me way beyond measure, way more than I deserve. And I, I'm just having so much fun having my hands in so many different things. So uh, right now I own four companies. I'm the president of a fifth. I'm an international keynote speaker. I'm a father, a husband. Uh, my, three, my three children are seven, five, and three. My hairline was here about a year ago, so it is receding <laughs> fairly quickly. But uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, blessings galore, and I just feel like a, a truly rich man based on all that's going on in my life right now. Well, you said something before we got on, before we start recording that, man, you're working long, you know, you're working some of the longest days that you've, you've worked in a long time and you're loving it. Talk about that, man. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I you know, the, the one thing that I don't like, and maybe you can relate to this, Ellis, because you're a successful guy too, but I, I just don't like it when people tell you what you should do. Paul, you should slow down. Paul, you should work less. Paul, you should spend more time with your family. I mean, work-life balance is a very subjective thing. It, it, it's different for each individual. And it, it, it's, you know, 
when I take stock of my life and I take stock about what I'm passionate for, when I take stock about the, the tools and the blessings that God has so richly bestowed upon me and how I can touch other lives and minister to people, it's through my work. And I shouldn't even call it work. I mean, work is something you're paid to do. Granted, we all gotta, we've got mouths to feed and we've got to take care of our families, but I, I would do this even if I, there was no financial compensation. For me, this isn't work. It's a calling. I, I feel that this is a vocation. I'm exactly where God wants me to be. Yeah, I put in a lot of hours. I mean, I've got a huge team behind me and all the various enterprises that I'm doing, but I still put in 14, 15 hours a day, you know, less on weekends and, and stuff like that. But you know, people say you should do less. Well, what do you mean do less? You golf to blow off steam. You go to the beach to relax. I blow off steam and relax Working. I mean, working to me is a ministry. C-Suite for Christ is a ministry. International keynote speaking is a ministry. Cold calling is a ministry. Being a servant leader to others is a ministry. I'm not going to go do something because society tells me I should go on the links for funny pants into the stupid white ball around to try to get it in a <laughs> hole. I, I've only got so much time on this earth. Your time is your most precious commodity. And if I'm not using my time, the talents that God has so richly bestowed upon me for kingdom building purposes and to touch others, I want nothing to do with it. Thankfully, I can do that through my vocation. And that's why I put myself into all the various causes that I'm involved in. Yeah, dude, I, I love your passion and energy for businessmen. That's why I was so excited to have you on the show and, uh, you know, seeing some of your videos. I was like, man, we got to get this guy on here. I got to get some of that passion uh, on, on the podcast. So, man, let me just pray for us real quick. We like to really start with prayer because this is going to be like for anyone who's listening. Um, I mean, Paul's he's grown a ton of businesses even like this initiative for C-Suite for Christ is something I really want to hear more of. But then, man, we also got to get this idea, like he is a, a sales expert and really helping thousands of people. So I want to get into that today as well. So we got a lot to dive into. So let me just pray and then we'll get going. God, we are so grateful for today, for this conversation, for Paul, for the energy that you've bestowed upon him to really serve you through business. And I would just pray that, God, it would energize and fuel those who are listening. Um, to really seek you first, God, that you would bless this time and really bless our listeners, God, that they might have uh, not just Paul's energy, God, but but your spirit to really go and to serve you and all that they're doing today in their life, their business, their family. We ask that in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Yeah, man. So um, I, let's let's hold off on the the uh, cold call coach part for second half, because I think that's some training that I really want to give to people, especially around this idea of emotional based selling. And let's, let's jump into how you've grown C-Suite for Christ, because this is something that you've done recently on top of the other businesses that you've been leading. I want to hear just kind of the things that have come out of that and really what is the mission for that organization? Yeah, sure. So one of the decisions that I made that I would encourage all of your listeners to make is to take stock and seriously take stock into that one or two things that God has bestowed upon you. And you'll know what those blessings are because these are things that you've just naturally been good at your entire life. These are the things that say, hey, Alice, you're such a good this. Hey, Paul, man, you, you, you always know just what to say. Or, hey, Paul, you know, your, your, your natural gifts are this. These are gifts that you didn't work for. These are gifts you didn't strive for. These are gifts you didn't go to school for. You just always had them. And I would encourage your audience to really take stock in that. Well, what are the one or two gifts that God has given you? Those have come from somewhere. And it's my belief that those have come from God. And, and so 
if he's given you this unique skill set and talents, I think you got to use them. And, 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 and for me, the way that I think about it, if, if I'm a Thai connoisseur and somebody spends, so I got a birthday coming up and somebody spends a month looking for the perfect tie to give Paul Newberger, they go to department stores, they go to Amazon, they're, they're, they're going through their closet, whatever. They, after three and a half weeks, they finally find the perfect tie. They, they give me the present. I open it up and I look at the tie and I say, wow, thank you. That's great. And I put it in my closet. A year goes by and you never see me wear the tie once. As that gift giver, how would you feel about that? Me personally, I'd be a little disappointed. Gosh, I put in all this energy, all this time. I came up with this perfect gift, and you're never utilizing it. I believe God feels the same way when we don't utilize those gifts that he so generously bestowed upon us. And I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody. I'm just acknowledging my gift. My gift is communication, always has been. Um, I've naturally felt comfortable in front of people. I've naturally wanted to be the center of attention, not for my purposes, but I'm, I'm comfortable in that role, which, which makes me a very good international keynote speaker. I, I love to do that. I just have a way with words, a way with wit. I, I see things developing in my brain before, uh, you know, it's like a pool player, like five or six shots ahead. So I, I've, I've made a proactive effort to utilize that. Well, to be good on social media requires you to be an effective communicator. To be good in anything, leadership, entrepreneurship, politics, whatever, requires you to be an effective communicator. And I'm over utilizing my communication skills, social media presence over the years quite substantially. I I just hit the 30,000 follower mark on LinkedIn, which is kind of a a nice thing for us. We're just getting going. We've got a long way to go. But I've got this captive audience, not just quantity, but quality. They listen to me. They engage with me. They follow up with me. So I've got this really rabid audience. And I just started to think roughly two years ago, what am I using this audience for? What am I using this gift that that God has given me for? Am I using it for Paul Newberger purposes? Am I using it for monetization purposes? Not that there's anything wrong with that, but perhaps I should start using it more for kingdom building purposes. Because when I'm on my deathbed, when I die, when I go up to see God, what is he going to be asking me? Is he going to ask me how much money did you make over the course of your lifetime? Is he going to ask me what was the highest title that you had on your business card? Is he going to ask me what kind of car did you drive? No. He's just going to ask, what did I do with those talents? Did I bring others to him? Did I acknowledge him in front of man? And I darn well better have a good answer. So I just felt him impressing that upon me. So slowly but surely, I started opening up about my faith on LinkedIn. Now, it's not, and I've got a whole series of this on my website, so you guys can can check it out. But I've got this whole six-part series on my website about social media myths. The fourth video that I did, one of the myths is you should never talk about politics or religion on social media. Don't buy that. I think you should always be talking about politics and religion on social media, believe it or not. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. Now, if I go, Donald Trump is a racist, well, don't do that, or lock Hillary Clinton up, or whatever the case may be. No, 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 don't, don't, don't. You're going to put people on the defensive right away. So I wasn't being judgmental in my spiritual post. I was just telling people what I believed and why, who I served and who was in need. And initially, you got the politically correct police. You know, I, had, I was reported to LinkedIn on two occasions. I had a couple people that felt that they had taken upon themselves to send me a message about what an insensitive person I am. I mean, you know, nobody likes that. I'll be honest. Even if you, you, you claim to have the thickest skin possible, nobody wants to be exposed to that. But I endured and I kept going. And what started to happen is for every one person that maybe was offended, I get 10 or 15 executive business leaders that say, Paul, I admire you for that. I'm a brother in Christ too. Man, I admire you for doing that. Can we talk? I want to learn how you step out in faith to do this. And for like a month, I'm running 
having what I call these fellowship meetings, just me and other Christian business executives engaging in fellowship, witnessing and encouraging. And I kind of got addicted to that. I said, this is great. You know, we belong into networking groups to grow our businesses. We, we belong to, um, you know, professional development groups to grow our, our interpersonal skill sets. I don't see any Christian groups outside of church. And I'm not these, the, the kind of person that says, man, I hope somebody does something about this. I hope somebody creates this. I hope somebody has this idea. I just said, well, maybe I should proceed with this. So after some prayer and discernment in late 2018, I came up with this group called C-Suite for Christ. Our first gathering was December of 2018. It was me and about 20 other people. I, I figured long-term this was going to be me and my buddies over a stack of flapjacks at Denny's just kind of talking about our respective faith journeys. But one thing about me is when I do something, I, I, I give it 110%. <laughs> so through my energy, through my effort, through my messaging, through my call it charisma, passion, whatever, we've grown substantially. We are now 655 Christian business executives all across the country, including 11 from South Africa, all across the world, I should say, 11 in South Africa. And we are in the process right now of discussing nationwide franchising. Because guess what? We've inspired Christians all over the world. Hey, can you bring C-Suite for Christ to Iowa? Hey, can we bring C-Suite for Christ to LA? And as a good entrepreneur, I see now a business opportunity, Christ first, Christ-centric, but I'm never going to apologize for being a capitalist. Christ doesn't care. You know, God doesn't have anything against us making money. It's we're not going to worship money. We're not doing this primarily for money. We're going to keep God first, God centric, God driven. And if he blesses us financially so we can amplify the message even more, so be it. But this has been the most effortless thing I've ever done. Once I stepped out in faith, once I asked for God to intervene, and once I listened to him whispering, because it's biblical. God doesn't speak in a roar. He speaks in a whisper. So you got to be still. you got to listen. you you got to invite him into the conversation. And boy, me doing that was one of the best decisions I ever made. Uh, what, what was some of the growth things that really led to, you know, uh, a 20 member thing to now? I mean, people, you know, people being able to know about it where they wanted in LA, they wanted in, um, you know, South Africa. What were some of the things um, you know, was it using your social media following I me? Mean, how did God really use those things? And, and what was the strategy there to really grow that? Yeah, it's a good question. So I'll give you a, the first answer will be high level overview, but the second one will be practitioner based because all your listeners should do something like this with their respective businesses and everything else on a high level overview. It's because you hear this a lot in politics. You hear about the silent majority. Christianity is the most persecuted religion on earth. I'm not saying it's the best religion on earth. I'm not saying we're better than anybody else, but we are the most persecuted religion on earth. It's not even close. And we're, as Christians, we're forced to keep our beliefs quiet a lot. We're, we're forced to apologize. Well, you're a bigot. You're a racist, uh, whatever the case may be. Anything that ends in ist has been thrown at a Christian at some point. And I think to some degree we're fed up. We're, we want to be open about who we are. We want to be open about who we serve. We want to be open about who's in us. But because we're so persecuted, we're afraid to take that step out. Well, I want to say it, but I don't want my business to suffer. I want to say it, but I don't want to offend anybody. So the first reason we grew is because I had the courage to say it. And I had to, I had to deal with some of those slings and arrows for sure. I had to deal with some of those people that were offended, the PC police as it were, but I kept enduring. So one, I just had the courage to say something that was on a lot of people's minds. But from a practitioner base, LinkedIn is the greatest monetization tool the world has ever seen. And if, if, if that strikes somebody as odd, boy, you've missed the boat for a long period of time. I don't care what you do, whether you're B2B, whether you're B2C. LinkedIn, if done correctly, and most people are just scratching the surface on LinkedIn. They, they, they just haven't had the right teacher or the right training. 
full disclosure, I do offer LinkedIn training. So if anybody wants any information on that, but the, the number one tactic that I used on LinkedIn is this. So obviously create a business page for your company. One of the first things we did was create a business page for C-Suite for Christ, just to make it a standalone entity. So it's not all revolving around Paul Newberger because Paul's going to die someday. I want this business to go on in perpetuity. But the greatest decision I ever made, it took me a couple months to realize this, is I started to see that our posts on C-Suite for Christ business page were getting a lot of traction. You get 50 likes, 75 likes, 90 likes. That's why LinkedIn is so great. It's not a radio ad where you don't know who's listening. You can see in real time who's engaging with you. After a couple months, I started seeing a lot of similar faces, a lot of similar names. So what I would do is at the end, it takes discipline, but at the end of every day, I would go through the C-Suite for Christ post and I would take a look at everybody who liked it. Assuming they were in a position of C-suite executive authority or executive decision-making authority, I would reach out to them. And it would be a, a copy-paste message, so I'm not reinventing the wheel. And I might send Ellis a message. Hey, look, Ellis is the president of his company. I send you a quick message. Ellis, thank you for engaging recently in our C-suite for Christ post. I appreciate your encouragement. I would be honored and blessed if you would be my guest at the next C-suite for Christ gathering on this day to register. Here's a link. Let me know. You would not believe how many people accepted that invitation, how many people accepted that offer, or how many people said, no, I can't, but I'll make the next one. No, I can't, I'll invite a friend. By me, just every day, every couple of days, engaging with the people that engaged in us and giving them a call to action, it would be an honor, a blessing, if you attended as a guest. You had more people attend, you had more people experience it, you had more people like it, you have more people now telling friends, and we just grew organically that way. Now, it's not just me doing that tactic, of our 655 uh, individuals associated with us, we have dozens that do that as well. So now it's just like pouring gasoline on a fire. But that was the best decision I made to really start getting people interested in what we're doing. By the way, you, you're struggling to core me because I love LinkedIn, man. It really is kind of how we've grown our business and even our network is, is through the power of LinkedIn. Um, Let's stay on this. I want to stay on this because we, we talk about LinkedIn on occasion. I mean, that's super powerful. And I think too, like you don't have to have a following of 30,000 to, to engage with your core audience. And I think that's so powerful because what you said there, when people follow your page, you know who they are, you know, their names, you can see their profiles. And so, you know, I think that's so powerful for folks. Like, you know, it's that if you had 250 passionate followers that, that that know you and you know them anybody can do that right anybody can reach out to 200 folks over the next 30 days and send a message like that so i think that's a incredible tip um you know that linkedin allows us to do and, and that's what people are there for in order to engage in order to network so i think that's that's a huge yeah. piece of advice and i appreciate you bringing that up i'll make this quick that is the first part of the equation i mean how many how many people on linkedin don't even know their audience Right. It's all based on size for some people, and that is a, a and that's also one of my myth videos. That is such backwards thinking. I mean, you could do more with an audience of one thousand high quality people than you could with thirty thousand people that you never speak with. But in addition to engaging, engaging them is just the first step. The other thing that I don't want your audience to miss is what did I do? I engaged with them, yes, but the second piece of the puzzle is even more important. You offer them something of value. And value is something that you can give where your audience benefits first that's above and beyond the services you're paid to provide. So, for instance, if I say, hey, Ellis, thank you for liking my – I'm the president of an insurance company in addition to all the businesses. I could say, hey, Ellis, thank you for engaging with my post on insurance. I'd be happy to give you a free insurance review. Technically, that's value. I'm giving you something for free. 
but man, that's pretty salesy value. I know what you're trying to do. I see the route that you're going. You're going to review my insurance and you're going to give me some recommendations about what I need to buy. So one of the things that we do now that we've gotten more sophisticated with C-Suite for Christ, so we are broadcast nationally via live stream. So if anybody listening to this wants to check us out, I would totally invite you to do that. I'm, I'm sure Ellis will get you some information or I could talk more about it at the end. I mean, we're a southeastern Wisconsin company, so you can visit us in person, but anywhere around the world, you can tap in via live stream. Over the past couple of months, we've been recording those. So one way that I offer value is to say, hey, Ellis, I'd like to bring you as my guest. In case you missed last month, here's the two-hour program. Here's the YouTube link. Go ahead and watch it. Now, from the comfort of your house, you can listen to our speakers. You can partake in the worship. You can listen to the songs. You, you can be encouraged by the Bible verses. And I'm asking nothing in return, even if you don't even return my message. That's powerful value. And people start thinking, I like this guy. I like C-Suite for Christ. I gave it to you on a silver platter. Here, check it out for yourself. Test drive it before you move forward. With my sales business, uh, I, I just wrote a book. It came out in early June. I'm, I'm very flattered to say that it's uh, a number one Amazon bestseller in seven different categories. That, that's praise to God for sure. But one of the things that I've done to generate interest in that book is every time, and this is another LinkedIn strategy for anybody that wants to learn more, but one of the, the best opportunities to engage with your audience is as soon as you connect because they just connected with you for a reason. Emotions are a little high, energy's a little high, they're, they're excited about this new connection. So at the close of business every day, what I do is I go back and I look at all my new connections. Again, it's a simple copy paste. I could just say something, send them a message. Ellis, thank you for connecting with me. I look forward to building the relationship and following your content. As a token of my appreciation, I'd like to offer you a free downloadable chapter of my new book, The Secrets to Cold Call Success. Here's a link. They click the link, they go to my website in order to get access to the chapter. They got to give me their email address. So just like that, they're on my email distribution list, but now they have the chapter. I can't tell you how appreciative they are of that. How many messages I get. Thank you so much for that. And then also how many follow-up messages I get saying, I just bought your book. It's the same thing. So you need to be regularly engaged with your audience whether they like it, whether they comment it, the C-Suite for Christ example, whether you just make a new connection with them, but you can't just engage. Hi, Ellis, how are you? I'm too busy to respond to that. Get out of here. What are you going to give me a value? Here's a free downloadable chapter of my book. Awesome. Here's the two-hour program of last month's C-Suite for Christ. Awesome. I'd love for you to become my guest, and I'm going to introduce you to a lot of Christian executives next month. Awesome. If you can do both of those, you're going to monetize the heck out of LinkedIn overnight. It is unbelievable. Yeah, I think that's so huge. Uh, what you have that most people don't take the time to produce is valuable assets that you can share that bring people into your ecosystem. Cause I'm sure once they download your book or your chapter, they're in, you know, the, the, the new burger ecosystem, right. Where they're going to see you and be able to buy multiple of your products. So I do think that's right on. I'm curious though, are you, I mean, do you have a team now that's going and following up with, you know, these folks at the end of every day? I mean, 30,000 followers, you have to be getting a couple hundred new followers a day. I mean, how are you keeping up with that? Um, that strategy or is that, is that, was that an older strategy? Yeah. So that's the other thing that I would recommend entrepreneurs do as well, because at some point you get to that chicken or the egg scenario. Are you going to grow because you have a team or are you going to have a team because you're growing? You're, you're going to have to make a decision. Otherwise you're, you're always at this ceiling and you can never seem to break through. I made the decision to invest in the team. I saw enough growth. I saw enough traction with enough revenue coming in. We're not setting the world on fire. So I had to make a, a sound calculated decision, I'm going to make the decision to bring in 
people smarter than me in a lot of different areas where they've got skill sets that I don't, so I can focus on the things that I like. As an entrepreneur, you've got to focus on the one or two things that you like and go all in with that and outsource everything else. You cannot be good at everything, and you cannot be all things to all people. So for me, the, the two decisions that I made, I am all in on, and these are non-negotiables. One, I do all my own training. I, will, I can't say never outsource that because, you know, God's my boss and God knows what the next step is. But as of this point, I do all my own training. So if anybody on this podcast hires me for LinkedIn training, you get me. If you hire me for cold call training, you get me. If you're familiar with the, the why from Simon Sinek, I also have a proprietary program that talks about why development. You get me because I love training and I'm really pretty good at it. The other thing that was a non-negotiable is social media. I, I have no formal background in social media. I've learned through the school of hard knocks, but I'm one of the best out there with social media. And I think my engagement and the quality of my audience will back that up. I don't want anybody else messing with my social media audience. Well, now you think about it. You're going to do all your own training and you're going to do all your own social media. You don't have time for anything else. Exactly. Which is why I pay other people to do it. I've got a chief operating officer that leads with a strategic vision. I've got somebody that writes all my blog posts. And again, we're in regular communication. We talk all the time, so he knows what to write. I've got somebody that does my videos and my website work. I've got somebody um, for C-Suite for Christ. We've got five different committees totaling 36 different people with young guns. I didn't even mention that. That's one of my newest businesses. I've got two business partners on that. I'm gonna, I, I have a say in everything. I oversee everything, but I'm going deep with the two to three things I really love. If you ask me to go deep in accounting, my businesses are going to crumble because I stink at that. I'm going to avoid it like the bubonic plague. So figure out those two to three things you really love. Go all in with that. One, you're going to be good. Two, the passion's going to come out. Three, you're going to be high quality. Four, you're going to offer a lot of value. Outsource everything else to other people and watch everything flourish as a result. Paul, how do you, um, how do you schedule your days? I'm curious. A guy who's got you know, as many ventures as you, how do you, what does your day look like in the sense of how you, you make sure you're adding value and stay focused on those kind of those two or three things that are, that are, you know, strictly to, or, or key to key to your success as, as an entrepreneur, walk us through what your day might look like. Yeah. So the first word that I'm going to say is discipline to, to walk the rope that I walk every day requires an unbelievable amount of discipline. I'm exhausted by the end of the day, not physically exhausted, but mentally exhausted because I'm walking a tightrope all day. And what I mean by walking a tightrope is I'm not afraid to step on a landmine, but I got to stay on the straight and narrow. I got to stay on my path and it takes discipline to turn off distraction. It takes discipline to stay in your lane. It takes discipline to ignore the noise. It takes discipline to keep email turned off when you're working on a project. And, and if you're not disciplined, you will never succeed at this. So walking through my day, I'll do it fairly quickly. I get up really early. I'm up between three and 3.30 every morning. Talk about discipline. The reason I do that is if I don't win the morning, I won't win the day. The morning is the most central, important aspect for any entrepreneur, any business individual, heck, any person for that matter. So I call it armoring up. The first thing that I do in the morning is I have an hour of me time. Because if I don't do that in the morning, I'm never going to get me time. What does that mean for you? For me, it's an hour in the work. That, that, that gets me in the right mindset. It gets my heart right. It gets my head right. It gets my emotions right. What a lot of people do first thing in the morning is what do they do? They go to their phones. They start scrolling through social media, checking email. First thing is if, if I got new emails overnight, 11 at night, 12 at night, one in the morning, it's probably not for a good reason. So just like that, my day's off kilter. Just like that, I'm being reactive. Or, hey, let's go to social media. That's a fun place to be nowadays. Uh, Portland protests, this. Black Lives Matter, this. 
impeach Donald Trump this. I mean, my goodness, it just causes such an emotional disturbance. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic here, but I, I, I look at life this way, and I would encourage all your listeners to look at life this way. Every day is a battle. It really is a battle between good and evil, a battle between success and failure, a battle between the emotions, the voices, the doubt going on in your mind. Can you think of any battle that was ever fought, be it the North versus the South, be it uh, the, the, the Vietnam War, anything? Can you think of any battle that was ever fought where one side of the army showed up with no armor, no weapons, they just showed up in their jammies with some rocks and said, let's do this. They would get slaughtered. They're walking into a battle with no armor. That first hour of your morning, you need to do what I call armor up. You've got to armor up for the day because the day is going to crush you. The day is going to kill you if you let it. Now, what armor up for you is might be different than what it is for me. Some people armor up by working out. Some people armor up by meditating. Some people armor up by just sitting and being. Some people armor up like me by reading the word. I got to do that for the hour. So 3.15 to 4.15, now I'm all set, ready to go. Now what I start doing is I start planning my day. Now I'm energized, I'm, I'm inspired, I'm ready to go. For, for maybe 45 minutes, I'm planning my day. This is what I'm going to do for Young Guns. This is what I'm going to do for C-Suite for Christ. Here's what I'm going to do for Cold Call Coach. But I prioritize. It's not just these are the five things. These are the five things in order. I tackle the most important things in the morning first. Two reasons. One, I'm freshest in the morning, and I'm more likely to have success if I tackle that first. But number two, it's intoxicating to accomplish something big. And that just becomes a cascading effect that allows me to hit other things. But then I go through my day. I have my calls scheduled, my meetings scheduled, the, the important emails I have to do scheduled. And then if I have some free time, okay, great. Now I'll check email or whatever else. You have to own your day. You have to armor up and you have to be strategic. Because if you don't do those things, you're going to have a busy day. But there is a huge difference between being busy and being productive. The rhinoceros at the local zoo can be busy. Just have something to do when you're busy. But very few people can be productive. And if you want to be productive, you have to own the day, take charge of the day, strategize the day, slay the day. Yeah, I love that, man. I, I love the idea of like, you know, I mean, win the morning, win the day, scheduling the most important things early and knocking those things out because it really does set the trajectory for the rest of the day. Um, all right, well, let's, I want to get some of this um, training that you do, especially around sales, um, especially around this idea of emotional-based sales. And I think this will resonate maybe most of our audience. And it's kind of even more something I'm learning a lot. Um, I'm in the real estate industry where, you know, we're raising capital for our deals. And I see a lot of deals come across my pipeline and other people raising money for deals. And one of the things I see a lot, uh, Paul, and we're, I'm speaking specifically about kind of one industry, but I know this is going to go broad. Most people, when they're talking about their deals, you can probably guess the, the thing that they lead with in most of their deals. It's always the numbers, right? Like here are the returns on the deals. I'm curious to get your thoughts because you've done so much training around emotional-based selling. Is that a good strategy or not to lead with, hey, here are returns on this project? And then how that might, you know, how that might go across other industries as well. Yeah, that's a good question. So there's a, a big difference between subjective and objective. I'm 37 years old. It took me 36 and a half years to understand the difference. Subjective is opinion-based. Objective is factual-based. So you're asking me a, a question. I'm going to give you my subjective opinion. Not everybody might say the same thing that I will, but, you know, again, this is my philosophy. No, it's a horrible thing. Horrible thing. Not even a bad thing. It's a horrible thing. There are three pillars that we teach. Now, now, this started off with one of my companies, the Cold Call Coach. Smash 
hit when you take these philosophies and put them into an effective cold call strategy, but these things also transcend cold calling because this isn't just unique to cold calling. It's unique to human interaction. It's unique to human behavior. So the first thing is people don't buy companies first. People buy people first. So the first thing you have to lead with is you as a human being. Once somebody buys you, you now have the keys to the kingdom. Most, uh, we'll, we'll speak in the realm of cold calling, but, but you can apply this to just about anything. Most cold calls begin with something like, hi, Ellis, my name is Paul Newberger. I'm the founder of the Cold Call Coach. We're a customized organization that provides proprietary-based cold call training to your entire sales team. We'll build a script around your team. We're very innovative, blah, 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 blah. People said, geez, that sounds like my script. What did you read my diary, Newberger? What the heck? But, but I mean, at the end of the day, what you're finding, what did I lead with? It's all about my company, my services, my products, my professional value add. That may sound good, but that's not what people buy first. I'm buying Ellis first. I'm buying Paul Newberger first. First, I got to buy you. If I know you, like you, trust you, now I'm willing to potentially do business with you. And in my trainings, be it through cold call training, LinkedIn training, Y development training, we have this really unique way of showing our clients how to sell themselves effectively first. So the first rule, you got to sell yourself first. The second rule, people are not logical buyers. People are emotional buyers. Now logic plays a role. People use, this is important, people use logic to justify their emotional purchase. Emotion comes first. So a lot of people will appeal to the logical brain. I can save you money. I can make you more efficient. I can make you more effective. If you're an insurance like I am to some degree, I can double your coverage at a fraction of the cost. On paper, it makes sense. But how many times have you found yourself going, I don't understand. I saved him money, but he didn't go with me. I doubled his coverage, but he didn't go with me. I streamlined his whole process, but he didn't go with me. I know I should go with you. It just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. People won't always remember what you said, but they'll never forget how they felt when you said it. So you got to hit them at an emotional level, and there's ways to do that. Lastly, the third thing you got to do is you got to differentiate yourself from everybody else. And differentiating yourself isn't just the message, it's also the messenger. How are you going to stand out from all these organizations that do what you do? How are you going to stand out from all these individuals that provide the services and products that you do? It's in what you say, how you say it, the value that you offer. It's a very complex process. But all of our training, be it cold call training, LinkedIn training, wide development training, it's based on those three pillars. And it's impossible not to have success when you're a student of those three philosophies. Yeah. I mean, it's so, I love what you said there, especially early on, like when I I got, it's funny because it's so practical to me today. I'm seeing this deal and even my partner's like, Hey, look at this. This looks pretty good. And I read it and I didn't even like, I know the company, but they had nobody's face on it. It was very objective. It was all around the numbers. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, like how many, like you can't, especially in this industry and probably in a lot of industries, it's really not about price. It's not about returns because you really can't differentiate that much around price or around terms, right? Like it's really hard to do that, especially in the world of the shared economy, right? Where we can Google or, you know, go to Amazon and get it for cheaper anyways, right? So price is almost never the differentiator. So I love this idea of like the differentiator has to be the person or your story. In my case, what, what could be some other differentiators, uh, Paul, that you have seen outside of price? Yeah, well, I mean, again, you, it's you. And I, one of my, my most popular 
keynote speech. I go all around the world giving this. It's called Instantaneous Differentiation, How to Make Yourself Memorable. And it's a 90-minute speech on how to do just that. And again, without giving away all my secret sauce, my proprietary teachings, I'll, I'll just say a couple of quick things. So when we talk about people by people, what are people really buying? What does it mean to sell Ellis? What does it mean to sell Paul? I mean, am I going to cold call Ellis and go, hi, Ellis, my name is Paul Newberger. I'm a Sagittarius. I like long walks on the beach and boy, howdy, tacos are my favorite. No, I mean, that's like stalker-esque. That's restraining orderville. You're not going to talk like that. What people, I believe, what people are buying, they're buying your intangibles. And this is kind of what I started off with earlier. Intangibles are those God-given traits that you possess that make you uniquely you. These are things that you can't teach in a classroom. These are the things that uh, you can't these are the things that you basically can't learn in a classroom. These are things that give you a competitive advantage over people that don't possess them. These are things that get enhanced and refined over time based on who comes in your life and the experiences that you go through. For instance, one of the intangibles that I possess, I believe, and I'm not saying this with any, you know, I'm not trying to be braggadocious, but one of the intangibles I possess is charisma. I'm a very charismatic guy. It's just one of the things that God has blessed me with. You can't teach charisma. I can't learn charisma in a high school civics class or at, a, at the Radisson on a Sunday afternoon through a seminar. You have it or you don't. You take those intangibles and you build a marketing pitch around it. For instance, I'll give you one more example. So two of the more popular intangibles that you experience a lot, humor and wit. So wit, I can think on my feet. Humor, I, I keep things lighthearted. I make people feel good about things. So with our cold calling methodology, it's not your job to fit our mold. It's our job to fit your mold. We, we, we do a very deep dive with the clients we work with, an intake, if, it, uh, if you want to call it that, where we really try to learn who we're dealing with. We want to get all of your intangibles. We want to prioritize them, and we want to figure out which ones give you the biggest competitive advantage, and then we build a script around those intangibles. That's what we mean when we say people by people. So if I'm a funny person, what do you think my script is going to look like? It's going to be lighthearted. I'm going to weave in some jokes. I'm going to make some whimsical observations, A, because I'm good at it, and B, because I'm comfortable doing that. But if I'm not funny, I'm going to build your script entirely differently. Wit, if you're a witty person, I, I happen to be, if you're a witty person, you're not going to have much of a script at all. Because you don't work well in a confined space. You don't work well being told what to do. If you're a witty person, you're going to have a couple bullet points and that's all you're going to need. So we, we play to your strengths. So we talk about people by people. The way you differentiate yourself is be authentically you. I talk about my story. I talk about my background. I highlight my intangibles. I embrace my eccentricities. And in a society where you, you walk around like a sheep, you've got to be everything that everybody tells you to do. You've got to do exactly what your company tells you. You've got to follow the same script that 2 million financial advisors are already following. That's how you blend in with the crowd. But if you follow what I just said, not only does it feel better, you're going to be more successful. And there's very few people doing it, which is going to help with making you memorable and differentiating you. Yeah. So good, man. So good. And it really doesn't, um, it's not that hard to differentiate in, in today's because everyone is kind of doing the same thing. But um, that's why I think building a personal brand around your business is so key in 2020 because, you know, again, how do you differentiate besides price or returns or whatever it is? Like it really is a story. So it's either the story of the leader or the story of the company. Um, I can't stress how, how, how massive that is. So that's really good stuff. Man. Hey, Ellis, let me let let me comment something on there real quick. You're exactly right. I agree with you, brother. It's not hard to differentiate yourself. In fact, 
differentiation should be crazy easy right now. But what is hard is going against the grain. What is hard is making yourself vulnerable. What is hard is being your authentic you when you're taught by the world and society that you're not good enough. You're not a size zero. You're not making a million bucks. You're not, you don't have the prettiest girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or wife. You, 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 you society is very good at telling us how we don't match up. And that really hurts our self-esteem. And you have to be, you have to have a high degree of self-esteem and confidence to differentiate yourself because I'm uniquely me and I'm proud of that. You don't come across that a lot. So it's easy to differentiate yourself when you've got so many people doing what they feel that they're supposed to be doing. But it's hard to step out. It's hard to make yourself vulnerable. It's hard to be authentically you. So what I would say is it's like getting a callus. You know, if uh, I, my seven-year-old, we, we just had dudes weekend the other week. It's, it's a week-long vacation I take with my son. That is the most precious time in my life. Uh, we probably spent eight hours one day on a playground. I mean, that's the vacation I took. And um, my son, you know, he, he started to, to get on the, the monkey bars, you know, he's, he's doing the, the swinging and everything else. And it was all good for a while, but, but then he started to complain that his hands were hurting and he showed me his hands and he's getting the calluses on his hands. You have to go through the pain before you're going to get the calluses. Once he gets the calluses, he's not really going to feel the pain, but you have to be willing to endure the pain, push through the pain and be calloused enough to continue. And if, if me, I was suicidal in college, me, um, I never feel that I'm good enough ever. I'm going to get off this podcast. I'm going to be kicking my butt for the things I didn't say, or I wasn't charming enough, or I didn't bring enough value, or I disappointed Ellis. No matter what Ellis is going to say, I'm still going to think that. Me, every day I wake up with doubt. That's why I got to spend 60 minutes in the Word, because I got to shut this voice off that says, Paul, you're not good enough. Paul, you don't deserve this. Paul, you're not worthy. Paul, you're going to fail. That's why I got to spend 60 minutes in the Word. But I don't care if you know that, because that's me. And I'm unashamed of saying that. But I had, to, I had to get pushback from people. I had to be criticized by people. I had to be sneered at by people before I developed those calluses. Now I'm so calloused, I don't really care if you don't like that, Ellis. I, you know, whatever you tell your opinion, but you don't like it, so what? I'm going to go on my day because I'm comfortable with who I am. So it's easy to differentiate yourself, but it's hard to take the first step. Know that you've got to go through the pain. But once you develop those calluses, it becomes so routine that you can start sharing yourself and being your authentic self and people are going to love it. Yeah, no, and I, I think there's something to that too. And I would just, you know, personally for folks to get an example, I mean, I was a missionary. Now I'm a full-time real estate investor. When I got in this world, you know, what, what can a pastor bring to the world of real estate, right? Or why would you trust someone who has no real estate background? And, I, and I, that was those doubts for me. Who am I to go on this podcast show and talk about the deals that we've done or even begin to ask other folks to invest in our properties when there are other people out there who have been in this industry a lot longer and have a lot more sustaining or longer um, track record than I do. And, and it, it was, I love that idea of the calluses because that's what I had to realize. But in the same time, I've realized like it is my story of, of coming out of the world of ministry and really wanting to build something that can bless people in the world of business and finance that makes me who I am. And it's funny now when I get on stages or I'm sharing the stage with other people, the other speakers refer to me as the faith guy, like something that was, I was, you know, timid to talk about because I thought it would maybe downplay my lack of credibility has actually become the pillar in which people know me now by, and it has become my story, right? I mean, I'm writing a book on it, the mission of multifamily. And so 
it, I, I think that's so right on and it is a way to differentiate, differentiate yourself and it's learning to live into that. But then also how do I help people? Cause it's not just, you know, look at me, I'm a, I'm a former pastor. It's you no, know, how does that bless or how does that benefit those who are really trying to do business with me now? Right. Cause it's not really all about you. It's all about them as well. And how do they, how do they interact with that? How can my story really interact with the people that I'm trying to serve? Um, so huge advice there, man. There's been some awesome, awesome stuff here. We've uh, talked about your story from CC, uh, C-Suite for Christ, really using LinkedIn as a platform to really engage uh, your, your, your audience, your followers, your consumers, um, armoring up for the day. And then really these three pillars of selling people by people. They need to know, like, and trust you. People are emotional buyers. They only use logic to justify that purchase and then to really learn how to differentiate yourself. So Paul, thanks so much, man, for coming and just bringing a massive amount of value in a such short a period of time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll leave your audience with this. So, I mean, Ellis and I, he's my brother in Christ and I feel that synergy from him from the moment we started connecting on LinkedIn. So Ellis um, and I could continue to talk for hours, but for individuals who want more information on me, our training, our services, all the uh, diversity in terms of the offerings that we have, I'd encourage you to go to our website. It's paulmnewberger.com. And the last thing I just want to say, Ellis, I just want to acknowledge you because you did this correct. You know, you, you, a lot of stuff we want to talk about, a lot of information we want to get through, a lot of things we want to do, but we started in prayer. I acknowledge you for that. I appreciate that. I commend you for that. This world is thirsty for Christ. I intend to give them something to drink. And I appreciate you recognizing what's most important in this conversation. That's our Lord, our Father, and our Savior. So I commend you for that, brother. Absolutely, man. Well, blessings to you, man, in your journey and really building something that's going to serve a lot of people to uh, really advance God's kingdom and make Christ known. So grateful to have you. I'll make sure we link your website in our show notes so people um, have access to that. Newberger is kind of a hard word to spell, so I'm sure they have no idea how to spell that. So we'll make sure we put that in the link, man. Hey, everyone, if you've enjoyed this, be sure to leave us a five-star review and share this on LinkedIn. If we're both on LinkedIn, go in there and, and tag us. Uh, I know Paul would love to interact with you there. And trust me, if you leave something and Paul comes in comments on your post and all the Paul's audience sees your post. So that's a great way to hack Paul's audience. So make sure you go do that, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this show today. If you want to learn more about our community, you're going to want to visit us at kingdomcapitalist.co. There you can find info on our private mastermind and even subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on new shows. And last but not least, land opportunities to get private trainings and coaching calls with the guests of this show. If you're enjoying this show, please take a minute to leave us a five-star review and also share this with a friend. We'll see you next time.